All right, y'all. Here we are. Welcome to episode one of After Hours with Amanda podcast. I, You know, it's so funny. I never dreamt of starting a podcast, but y'all inspired me. And frankly, I would like longer than a minute to talk to y'all. <laughs> so here we are. What would I entitle this episode? Oh my gosh. Can we just call it like everything? We're going to call it like the grab bag, right? Episode one, grab bag of parenting. It's going to be so many different things, a couple of the questions you guys wanted me to start out with, and just like introducing the podcast. What can you expect? Ooh, I got to get my 30-second hook in. <laughs> already past that. You can expect a podcast dedicated to changing your perspective on parenting and frankly, just like sharing my life. I am not an authority. I am not 100% foolproof. I do not know it all. I have no degree in psychology. I only have my learnings with my three kids, my growing up experience, and my desire to share with you all and the fact that I have no pride or shame in that. I think that that really helps because I'm not here to impress anyone. I'm here to share because the most important thing for me as a parent that I can do is like, is like share the message. What have I learned? Because it's so funny when you become a parent, everyone talks about community. And let me tell you, it is, oh, it is, it is so in need, right? You need community. But let me also tell you something in the midst of vast community, when stuff goes down or on bad days, the loneliness that creeps in is bone chilling. Like it's incredible. Like, and I think that goes with people too. Like this podcast is not just for parenting. This podcast is for people because treating people as human beings is a universal thing that we need to practice. Am I going to be singing for this whole podcast? Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> Someone calls Simon Cowell. Am I Am I right? But am I going to be editing this podcast? You know what, guys? My skill level is that of a novice newbie. I have no idea. Are we just going to run with this and see what the Bojangles happens? Probably 100,000% because it's how I roll. I jump into anything and everything because it's 2020, right? You only live once. Um, but, you know, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Amanda. I am After Hours with Amanda on TikTok and every other social media platform because your girl couldn't barely remember her passwords, so I cannot create other handle names for myself. But I am here to share. And y'all asked for a podcast, so hopefully my soothing voice can give you some ease, put you to sleep, or you can just flip the script on it and just move on to the next podcast, True Crime. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love a good true crime podcast? Honestly, if I'm being totally real, I wanted to drink a Coke before this. I'm sitting in my closet, y'all, because it's the only soundproof area after all the YouTube tutorials I watched and the anxiety I got before recording this thing. I wanted a McDonald's Coke. But you know what? The ice clinking, the everyone was like, oh, you know what? The quality of the podcast is going to matter. If you have a noise clink, but you know what? Once we get into it and I get a couple episodes up, y'all better to be ready for some ice clinking. But what am I going to share in this first episode? Well, if you don't know already, I have three small, tiny humans, all girls. Yes, you heard that right, and I'm happy about it. Um, London is seven. Paige is four and a half. Corey is two. They are so cool. Ah, I wish I was as cool as they were. Honestly, I wish I was mature as London is. I wish I was as empathetic as Paige is. And I wish I had the spicy goodness of Corey. I mean, that girl just walks around and she is like queen status. They're all queens, but Corey is like, hello, 
Hello. Anyways, so this first episode, everyone's always asking me, Amanda, where do you get your parenting style? And you got you guys, let's preface this again. I have no degrees or in psychology. I have not read parenting books. Um, parenting books honestly gave me hives. I'll never forget when I was pregnant with London and someone gave me what to expect when you're expecting. I think it's like the number one top selling book for parents, right? Like it's the number one bought one. Okay. It's been around the longest or something along that line. I read the first chapter of that book and almost like crawled in a hole. It said like all these different things. It was just information overload. And I was so overwhelmed. I'm like, parenting books are not, not, not the ish for me. (laughs) You know, for me, it's the terrifying facts. For me, it's all the things that could go wrong. So I just can't read about it, right? But not to say that parenting books don't have their place, obviously. Like if I ever come out with one, it's going to be like, Hi, written for those who just want some information, not from an expert (laughs) with a bunch of story times involved. But the thing is, is that I just felt like when it comes to kids, when it comes to people, research is incredible. I love studies. I love learning about human behavior. Like my degree was in interpersonal and organizational communication. So basically how people communicate in relationships and in the workplace. And that, that degree for me was bomb diggity because I love listening to people's pitch and their tone and their body language. And like the psychology of communication to me was so amazing. But when it comes to kids, even with all the books you read, it's literally like on the job experience. Like, you know how you go to college and everyone is like, you need to go through these classes. You need this general ed. You need all this X, Y, Z. You graduate, you get a job and you're like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like in theory, you know what you need to do, but you have no practical way to apply that. And you're just sitting there like, I'm sorry, what? Like, I'll never forget. (laughs) They rolled me. I had London. Two days later, they're rolling me out of that hospital with a live human baby, y'all, that came out of my hushahan. You know what I mean? And they, (laughs) I looked at my husband. I said, "Uh, it was harder for us to adopt a cat. Like they made us sign a whole thing on not declawing it. And they're just rolling me out of here with this human child. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Who said I could do this? I can't do this. I remember driving home, looking at her in the car seat, thinking, oh my gosh, I have a living being in my backseat. It was so insane. And no book could have prepared that for me. Like there is a zero, zero point zero percent chance I was prepared for that. And the next question I get besides like, what books have you read? Which is literally none, y'all. Like I've read none. Um, What degree do you have? I told you, but it has nothing to do with like child education, general, none of that. The next one I get all the time is where you always as parent. That's a big fat no. (laughs) Like, no, I was not this parent that I am today. I was not this conscious of what I did. I was not mindful. I was not, these were not things I thought of because I didn't think that that mattered for me. And I don't know if you're like me, but I had a baby. And when situations came up, I was like, oh, this is what you do because this was what you do. Because I grew up in a house where, and I love my parents. Don't get me wrong. They let me ask questions. My dad loved debating. Like there were so many awesome things. But at the end of the day, I just kind of went with the program, right? Like I didn't really ask questions unless I was super curious. And I didn't feel like I needed to because obviously my parents were parents and they had it all figured out, right? Like, hello, they're parents. Of course they know what they're doing. And then I grew up and I'll never forget, you know, my mom wasn't around when I had London. She had died. And so I call my dad and I'm like, yo, dude, like what in the, and and yes, I literally said to him, yo, dude, (laughs) 
I was like, um, so blah, 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 like all this stuff about parenting. And he's like, Amanda Page, do you really think we had any idea what we were doing, honey? And I was like, excuse me? He's like, you know, honey, we we did our best. We loved you so much. That was what was number one for us. We always love you. But honey, your mom and I really just, we didn't know what we were doing. And then I realized that like nobody actually knows what they're doing when they're parenting. You're all just trying really hard and really crossing your fingers that things work out and you don't totally mess them up. Like on some level, my kids even are going to be like, mom, I did not love that. I disagreed with that. Like not even blue. You stink. I need therapy, right? But I'm hoping that I do them some service where they feel mildly equipped. Oh my gosh, my throat is making weird noises. Let's hope the mic didn't pick that up. But this is the thing. I wasn't always this parent because it wasn't the thought I had. And I've told this story before. I'll never forget. London was 16, 17 months. I don't know, maybe 15. She kept crawling out of her bed. I mean, the girl started crawling her out of her bed at 10 and a half months. Okay, she never slept. And I'll never forget she got in. We just kept putting her back and putting her back and putting her back and putting her back. And, well, that's what Super Nanny said to do. She said to put her back and put her back. I think I'd seen like two episodes of that show. And it was like 3 a.m. We were on, I am not kidding you, like time 50, 60, I don't even know. We had lost count. And I went in there and I was so exhausted and I was so tired and I swatted her. Now, before you go up in arms, I didn't beat her. I didn't hit her. I like swatted her on the butt, okay? And girlfriend had a full diaper, like a big diaper, not a full diaper, but just like a puffy diaper. But the look, oh. You could have stabbed me through the heart. She looked at me so confused, you guys. Like, why'd you do that? Why? What did I do? She was literally, she had no idea what was going on. And that's why I find it so funny when people are like, my 14-month-old is misbehaving. I'm like, y'all, they barely know what they're doing. It's okay. Like, they don't know what they're doing right now. Of, Of course they're misbehaving. They're like trying to figure stuff out. And Blake called to me from the other room. He's like, you're tired. You need to go to bed. Tap out. And we had always, it doesn't always work perfect, but we really work hard on like, you need to tap out, right? And I just remember thinking to myself, like, why did I do that? Why did putting her back in the bed matter so much? Now, before people come at me with kids need to sleep in their own beds and the statistics that showed good night sleep, I know all that stuff. What I'm talking about is literally what was driving me in that moment. Why did putting her back in her bed over 50 times matter? Who was it helping? We both could have gone to bed if I had just, you know, and I didn't co-sleep with my kids because it gives, it gave me anxiety. Okay. I have nothing against it. My sister-in-law co-slept with all three of her kids and they're great. But in that moment, I was just confused and bewildered at what I was doing. And so I kind of was like, hmm, that's weird. And then we started watching Daniel Tiger. And I'll never forget Daniel Tiger. Like, I'm a huge Mr. Rogers fan. So when I found out about Daniel Tiger, when that show came on PBS Kids, it was like a reincarnation for me. Obviously, it's based off of the same thing. But I was like, this is setting my soul on fire. And I remember watching Mama Tiger on that show and thinking, what a joke. No mom is that patient. Like, what is Mama Tiger even doing? Like, but I was frustrated because I was angry that I didn't think like that. I wasn't actually like, oh, that can't happen. I was actually jealous of Mama Tiger, of a cartoon character, y'all. Like, wow, she has a lot of patience. Wow, look at her talk to Daniel. And I couldn't understand why that wasn't for me, like why I couldn't do that. And then we had our second kid, Paige. 
two years and nine months later. And my stress level went up, you know, balancing two kids, working full time, trying to figure stuff out. And I could see myself losing patience, right? London was over two and a half at the time. A year went by, just blur, right? That's just a blur. That first year, trying to navigate it. And then when London was four-ish, Corey was coming up, uh, excuse me, Paige was coming up on two. Found out I was pregnant with Corey and I lost it because, and and before you say a baby is a blessing, yes, I was so grateful. I have so many friends that have struggled with infertility, so I don't even, I was grateful, yeah, but I'm allowed to have the space where I was overwhelmed. I thought I am barely surviving with two kids. I will drown with three. I will literally sink. Someone will, I will not be saved. I will drown in this. And I wasn't the person I wanted to be. And I had this like interaction where London was just sitting there and Paige was sitting there and I was crying. And London's like, mommy, why are you crying? And I'm like, you know, I'm sad. I'm confused. And she's like, I, I think you need a hug. And I was so afraid to cry in front of my kids up until that point, right? Because you're so trained not to, right? Don't stress your kids out with crying in front of them. And I'm not talking about the life things that get put on kids. I'm talking about just like being sad and showing emotion. And it was then and there that I decided as I was getting ready to welcome our third child that if I didn't shift things, it wouldn't change. And I was having this conversation with a friend and she had three kids at the time. And this is right before I found out I was pregnant. And I was sitting there and I'm like, how do you manage this? Because she seems so functional, y'all. Like she seemed functional. Her kids were dressed. They had socks on. I can't tell you how many times my kids have run out of the house without socks on. And she looked at me and she goes, I just don't do stuff that'll overwhelm me. And I'm like, then what do you do? And she's like, no, like if something is going to cause an adverse domino effect, I just won't do it. And it it had like this moment where it didn't light bulb at the time. But when I found out I was pregnant a couple months later, that light bulbed. And I thought to myself, okay, I need to actually be mindful. And why am I doing the things I'm doing? And why am I not treating my kids like tiny humans? And when people ask me my parenting style, I always don't know what to say because a lot of people want to say, oh, well, you're, um, you know, you're not authoritarian, you're authoritative or, oh, you're gentle parenting. But do you know what I really think my parenting style is? I think it's humanizing kids. I think it's looking at them and rather than seeing the label of you're the child and I'm the adult, looking at them and saying you're a tiny human who's valid and deserves your place and your feelings and I'm an older human who has a little bit more life experience. But it doesn't make me any more valid than you when it comes to feelings. Like, imagine for a second, right? You're at a job and it's the first day of the job and you've never been at that job. And the person that's training you, they've been at their job, right? But they've been there a long time. And so when you come and and you're like, oh, hey, I need to know where the bathroom is or when is the lunch break or how do you do the system, right? You need the functional tools. You need to have tools given to you. So you can functionally work there. 
But that doesn't mean you have you don't have good ideas, right? That doesn't discount the ideas that you have. So imagine you go to that person and you're like, hey, I've been here a few weeks or I've been here a year and I, I really think this. And I was thinking, why do we have that one rule? And they're like, well, we have that rule because that's what the rule book says. And I know you've only been here a year, so I really don't want to hear any of your suggestions. Um, and since you'll never be here longer than I've been here, they're just invalid. Like, think about it that way. Like, if the parent is always right, when will your kids ever get the opportunity to have a voice, right? I talked about it today in a TikTok in the fact of how parenting can contribute to peer pressure. Because so often we want to be parents in the sense of don't question me and because I said so. And then your kid comes home or you get called by someone and they're like, hey, your child X, Y, Z. And you're like, why would you do that? If You don't need to do what everyone else does. Why wouldn't you stand up for yourself? But when we create this hierarchy of importance when it comes to decision making, it, it translates into the social aspect, you know, because people don't want to say it, but there's always a hierarchy, especially in high school. Even if it's an unsaid hierarchy, no matter what social group you're in, there's always dominant personalities. And if we never teach our kids to deal with that and to be okay with questioning stuff and to be okay with sticking up for themselves and to be okay with having their own ideas. What? How are they even supposed to survive? You know, I, I always talk about this one time I took London to Starbucks. This is a few months back. And she wanted a bagel, but we had just bought donuts. And I'm like, girl, I just bought you donuts. I'm not going to spend money on a bagel. And she just looked at me and she's like, and, and in my mind, I started thinking, why do I care if I buy her a bagel? Okay, we'll take out the general aspect of I don't want to spend the money. Okay, the buck 75 or 225, whatever. Take out the fact that, you know, oh, we can't always get what we want, right? We bought the donuts, you know, the usual parental things that I hear in the back of my mind. So I look at London and I told the story. I was like, okay, well, convince me. Like, give me a good reason. And she named off reasons. Um, the bagel I can eat. Next time I'll be aware of the decision. Next time I'll ask more questions. I have, I love to shoot throughout. I have birthday money and I could buy the bagel myself. You know, but she gave some other reasons too. And I looked at her and I said, you know what? Those reasons, although I wouldn't necessarily agree with all of them, I think they're valid. So this time I will buy you the bagel. The caveat to that is next time when we go for bagels or donuts, I will say to you, you want a bagel or you want a donut, girl, because we're just doing one today. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There are some days where we do both because your girl loves carbs and so do my little ladies. But the thing is, is that that voice, that ability, as I said in the video, it translates to asking for a raise when you're an adult. So rather than having these, you know, tiny people that enter our lives that we dictate to, that we assume we're always in the right, isn't, isn't that such an egotistical thing to think, right? Isn't that so interesting how suddenly we get to be right and it's because we said so? It's almost like it's a trauma repeating itself because there is not an adult alive who liked hearing I said so because I said so because I'm the parent when they were growing up. Yet we basically like re-traumatize our children using the same thinking because it's like, oh, well, I get to be in charge now. Well, I get to make the rules now. And I'm not saying anyone's a bad parent because of that because honestly, I've been there when your kids asked 20,000 reasons to why they can't have some like have something or have something in Target or order something and literally the only thing that feels like there is left to say is because I said so because you're just out of answers. But basically what I'll do in those situations is if I run out of answers, I will look at London. For example, if 
were in Target and she wants a toy, which I mean, what child doesn't want a toy in Target? What adult doesn't want stuff in Target? And when she says that to me and I run out of reasons, I'll look at her and I'll go, London, I don't have a really good reason for why you can't get that toy. The point is we have toys at home right now and we don't play with those toys right now and it's not a special occasion. So I don't really want to do that because it's just not money that I want to spend right now or it's just not budgeted for this trip right now because everyone got so offended when I said money in a video. I'm not telling your kids about, you know, your water bill and your electric bill. I'm just saying giving them a healthy perspective on that. There's nothing wrong with that. And she looked at me and she's like, okay. And I'm like, but I can we take a picture? So when it is time, this is something I can get. And I'll I'll sympathize with her. Like, you know what? I really want something here too, but it's just not my day for it. It's just not my day for it. But you know what? Let's have a day where it is where it is for us. Let's have a day where we both get where we want. Because parenting doesn't have to be about a hierarchy. It can be about an opportunity for learning, right? It can be about this really cool journey that you get to go on with someone that you can readily say, hey, when it comes to functional things, don't run out in the street. No, you can't drive a car. Yeah, no, you can't do that. That's not good for you or things like that. Sure, you get to help them with that. But isn't there something super magical about when a child says something that you've never thought of that way? And that's basically what my podcast is dedicated to. It's dedicated to story times. It's dedicated to hanging out with me and just thinking differently. Because I really feel if we start to treat not just tiny humans, but humans as humans with a valid space where we don't have to be right. You don't have to be right. Not everybody has to agree with you. It doesn't impact you unless they're actually hurting someone. Someone having a difference of opinion does not hurt you, especially when it's your kids. You can look at them and you can say, explain to me that. You can learn with them because when we live in a world where a difference's opinion is seen as disrespectful, and 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 you you know I'm right on this. Like when we grow up telling our kids every time they come to us, well, I don't agree with that. Well, you know what? Don't be disrespectful. Okay, but I don't think no, you're disrespectful. Go to your room. How is that going to create conversations when they're adults? If every time they had a difference of opinion, it was seen as disrespectful. How are they going to see people disagreeing with them? I mean, do any of you watch The Real Housewives? I mean, just <laughs> let's just out myself here and expose myself. I love that franchise. I watch it all. But there is this first season, Real Housewives in New Jersey. I don't watch it like I used to. And Teresa is getting heated at the table, right? Like out of control heated. She flips the table. And I just think that that's like such a perfect example of communication some days or nowadays when we don't see the opportunity to hear something. And that comes at a young age. We, as parents, as people, have the opportunity in our relationships to create a space for people where the status quo of saying, don't be disrespectful and disagree with me can be, okay, well, let me hear your point. Okay, well, I don't totally agree with you. I I don't see things that way. That's not for me. But I appreciate you sharing. And I see how that might matter to you. 
And when we tell our kids that, when we give them a voice, when we validate them, when we equip them, we're creating better humans. You know, so so many people want to complain about the world we live in. And I tell you, 2020 has been a year. But one of the best ways to combat what is going on now is with the little tiny humans right in front of you. It's with creating world changers. It's with seeing parenting as not this, you know, I don't even know, ball and chain around your foot that's just so horrible and oh my gosh, your life is over. You better live it before kids come because it's just, you're just going to, it's over. It is O-V-E-R. And I'll tell you what, there are a lot of things that, you know, end when you become a parent, right? Being able to leave the house without functionally thinking about anything. Uh, Peeing alone, that's a big one. (laughs) The stories are all true. Um, Not having to share your food, which honestly just order more like I do and that solves the problem. But there are things that functionally change. But I can tell you one trillion percent that the things that have changed have been the best things, and they've made me a better human. You know, the thing about becoming a parent is it brings to the surface all those things about yourself. I'll tell you what, when I became a parent, I realized how selfish I was. And there's nothing wrong with that. You're allowed to be selfish and still have yourself. So before someone comments, oh my gosh, this woman's off her rocker, you need to have like your space as a mom. Yes, you do. But you can still have your identity while still letting your kids have theirs. It it, it always strikes me as funny when, you know, even me as a mom, I'm like fighting for my identity. I'm like, I just, I feel so lost. And I, and I, I do some days, like, who am I outside of my kids? But then I remember, I know who I am outside of my kids. Who are my kids outside of me? Am I helping them create an identity? Or am I giving them a bunch of rules to follow based off the acceptance that they should or shouldn't get um, and how that should look for them? And so when they get into the real world, they have no idea what's going on. Do you guys want to know something? When I left for college, I stayed at home the first two years. And when I left for college, my roommate, y'all are going to, oh my gosh, the comments I'm going to get on this, you're going to be like, that is disgusting, you foul individual. But I'll never forget, I was in our dorm room and my roommate, Megan, looks at me and she goes, Amanda, when was the last time you washed your bed sheets? And I'm like, what are you even talking about? She's like, your bed sheets, Amanda. When was the last time you washed your bed sheets? I haven't seen you take it off to do laundry. I had been at school two months, months, eight weeks. And I said, do you do that? She goes, yes, you do that. She goes, I had no idea. My mom had always done it. I had no idea. When I was a kid growing up, my mom picked out all my clothes. God love her. The woman had style. Ooh, mm, I mean, kiss the woman had style. I And I always looked cute, right? But the first time she asked me to pick out my own clothes when I was nine, I'm pretty sure I had what would be described as a panic attack. I was so worried about what to pick. I couldn't pick anything. I didn't know what to do. What do I pick? What do I wear? Does that go with that? Is that what I, uh, and anxiety was overwhelming, right? It was overwhelming because I had no idea. Even after my mom passed away, if I'm totally honest, I, I, I couldn't go shopping. 
I felt so ill-equipped at 24 years old. I I couldn't go shopping. I'd never gone shopping with like girlfriends and stuff. I didn't grow up with girlfriends, y'all. Like my mom, I was one of those kids. My mom was my best friend. Um, I don't regret a thing. Uh, It would have been helpful from a social perspective to, you know, (laughs) have friends. But um, she was my best friend. And that's why I think it's so important to share the things that I have, the epiphanies that I have, the stories and things like that. That's why I'm making this podcast. And you know what? Maybe one person will listen to this. Maybe nobody will listen to this. But I just want to put that out there because we have to change the way that we're raising our tiny humans. We have to start giving them space for emotions. We have to stop calling their big emotions incorrect and give them tools to deal with them. We have to quit punishing them for bad behavior without equipping them how to deal with it next time. We have to see that one of the greatest things we will ever do, or at least for me, is raise up a human better than I was, to be better to people than I was, to make better decisions in life. I'm not talking about getting the right job and going to the good college or whatever. I don't care if my kids flip burgers. But I want them, and I'm sure you've heard this before, to be the kid that sits with the kid. You know, I want my kids to share their food when it's allowed in schools. (laughs) But I want that for my kids. And so I'm going to do this podcast journey with you. And I hope you like the episodes. And I hope they're enjoyable for you. And I hope that you get something from them. But every week I'm going to be here telling stories to myself or to the one, two, three people that listen. But I think that if we can start to see our kids as people and start having that dialogue where we just both get to be people, it will literally change the world. Not me. Not me. I'm not going to change anything. I'm merely, I'm a storyteller and I'm glad people get enjoyment from that. But I hope that it helps. So that is the end of tonight's episode. Um, this was not sponsored by anyone, (laughs) but, um, it's time for me to go to bed and to get out of my closet. I realize I probably need to vacuum, but that is for another day, actually probably another week or two. Anyways, that's all I'm signing off as always. Thank you for being here and supporting me in all that I do. I don't know a community better than ours.